how are you now? Oh, ho. how are you now? Folks, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I hope you got your, your snacks cooking up, whatever it is that you're, uh, you know, deciding to serve for yourselves, your friends, your family during the Super Bowl. And I hope you enjoyed your Montreal Canadiens defeating the Edmonton Oilers by a score of 6-2. to two. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast. I am Matt Drake and I'm fired up after that one. Team Tank's not going to like this. So Team Tank might be turning off this episode right away. But let me talk to you for a second before you turn it off, Team Tank. I understand, right? We, we want to see losses at this point. We want to see them get better odds in the draft lottery. And I think that's going to happen anyways. We know this team is going to sell at the deadline. But you have to look at a game like that against the second place team in the Pacific Division, a team that has the best player in the fucking world. And you have to say, did they or did they not deserve the win? They were the far better team in that game. You have to be able to enjoy games where they legitimately deserve to win. They didn't steal this one. Jake Allen didn't stand on his head. He played very good, but he didn't need to stand on his head, right? I'll get into the recap and I'll explain you know, my overall thoughts on that entire game and how much better the Habs actually were, but... A game like that, you have to be able to just sit back and enjoy it regardless of the tank. Yeah, it hurts a little bit in terms of the draft lottery odds, but unfortunately, a game like that, I think that you just have to take it for what it is, and that's the Montreal Canadiens dominating a team that's on their way to the playoffs. So how did that happen? Well, once again, despite the fact that they were on a a second half of a back-to-back, they had an excellent start in the first period. Kirby Doc had a golden chance uh, less than a minute into the game. And you get five minutes into that period, and the Oilers don't even have a shot on goal. Now, the Habs only had two, but if you're limiting you know, the Oilers to zero shots through five minutes, that's a very good sign to start the game. And then Connor McDavid goes to the box for a hook. Doesn't work out for the Habs. They can't score on the power play, but it kind of creates a little bit of additional momentum for them, and they start pressing after that. And not long after that failed power play. There's a mad scramble in front of the Oilers' net. Puck's kind of loose, bouncing around all over the place. Where is it? Nobody can find it. Alex Belzil finds it and goes bar downski for his first NHL goal. What a story for him. More on him at the tail end of the recap. Oilers, however, get a power play of their own not too long after that one. Habs manage to hold them off, but it seems to give the Oilers a little bit of momentum. Now the Habs are kind of sitting back in their own zone. They're trying to slow everything down. On multiple occasions, they had defensemen take the puck behind the net and kind of wait back there for a little bit before doing anything with it. And this was benefiting the Oilers uh, because they have a pretty strong forecheck at 5-on-5. They're sending at least two guys at a time, and it was becoming tough for the Habs to really get anything going out of their zone. So the Oilers started to climb back into that shot total towards the end of the period, but we do go into the second with the score still. One to nothing in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. And they have another good start to the second period. You know, this has been kind of their Achilles heel this season. When they look their worst is when they have really rough starts to periods. And they had none of that against the Oilers, despite being, again, on the second half of a back-to-back. And this time, early on in the frame, the Habs have the Oilers hemmed in their own zone for well over a minute. Evgeny Dadunov had missed a couple of chances just on that shift alone. Gets the puck behind the net in Gretzky's office, looks out to the left side, sees Jordan Harris pinching all the way down near the bottom of the circle, throws it out. Harris, from an absolutely fucking atrocious angle, gets it in. It bounces it off Stuart Skinner. He got a piece of it, but it goes through and makes it 2-0 for the Habs. A few minutes later, Habs get a power play of their own. And this time, it works. 
with barely any time left on that power play. Jonathan Drouin with a beautiful pass across the zone over to Dadunov. Dadunov puts it on net. It gets stopped by Stuart Skinner, but Josh Anderson is parked right out in front to clean up the garbage. He does, and it's 3 nothing for the Habs. Not long after that, we have some unfortunate news to talk about. So, um, Arbor Jackai, he gets in a fight with Vincent Dernais. Uh, clearly hurt his shoulder at the tail end of that fight, landing a big punch. Not good. More on him at the tail end of the recap. But that whole scenario provides an opportunity for the refs to start getting on their bullshit. And they do. There's a whole scramble there. Um, Evander King gets called for a cross-check on Jackai that kind of preceded the fight. And the whole scenario, like with the cross-check by Kane and then all the fights and scuffles that happened afterwards... It sure looked like it should have been a power play for the Habs, but they call it even, right? So, whatever, we're um, we're, we're evened up. I guess uh, no no harm, no foul there. But then right after that, two really sketchy calls against the Habs in a row. They call one on Drouin for a hook, and um, then they also called one. They, well, they had their arm up for one rather against Jordan Harris, and while the arm is up for Harris and Drouin's already in the box, the Oilers score. It's uh, Leon Dreisaitl gets a rebound in front. Um, Nets wide, completely empty. Uh, Jake Allen didn't have time to get back over and make a stop on it, and uh, Dreisaitl makes it 3-1. to one. An insult to injury is that because there was a delayed penalty on Harris and Drouin was already in the box, Drouin gets out, but Harris has to go in the box, so we're right back where we started with a two-minute penalty to kill for the Montreal Canadiens. And then, to make matters even worse, they call a super soft hook on David Savard, uh, who, yeah, it was a bit of a hook on McDavid coming into the zone, but like, you know, they hadn't been calling hooks that strictly all game, so kind of weird that they all of a sudden started it with Montreal having a three to one lead, and it's a five on three for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, during that five on three, it was the Jake Allen show. He stepped up in a big way and made a lot of big saves uh, to keep things even, but unfortunately, just as they're finishing off that second penalty. Right, just as they're finishing off the Savard penalty, uh, I believe it actually ended. So this goal ended up being even strength. But Evander Kane takes the puck and wheels it up around the face-off circle and fires a shot through traffic, and it beats Jake Allen. Looks like it might have been deflected, but I think that was actually a straight shot. And it's three to two. All of a sudden, the Oilers are back in this, thanks to a little bit of help from the officials. But the Montreal Canadiens don't go away. They don't hang their heads. They don't feel sorry for themselves about the fact that the refs kind of jobbed them a little bit in that second period. They get right back to work. They get a call of their own from the officials. A little bit of a soft one. I'll, I'll, I'll acquiesce to that. Maybe a bit of a makeup call for some of the bullshit ones they made against the Montreal Canadiens. But Mike Matheson, with a clapper from the point, and Raphael Harvey Pinard says, Mange la merde, mes chers arbitres, gets a nifty tip on that one as it's going through, and it beats Stuart Skinner upstairs. Four to two, eat it, zebras. Now we go into the third period, and in the third period, the Habs do a really good job closing this one out. It's got to be about good even strength play, and that's precisely what they bring. They know they're probably not going to get a ton of help from the refs from there on out with that lead, uh, so they're going to have to do it at even strength. And sure enough, a couple minutes in, Yoel Armia gains the zone. Jordan Harris joining the rush gets the puck off of Armia, drives the net, beats Skinner to the far side, makes it five to two. And then another soft call against the Habs. This time it's on Armia. Shocker. The refs are still making calls against the Habs. But hang on a fucking second. Monster forecheck by Kirby Doc while shorthanded. Gets the puck off of Bouchard. 
spots Christian Dvorak streaking into the middle, finds him, and Christian Dvorak one-times that baby upstairs, 6-2. to two. They're singing at the Bell Center. It's beautiful. The Habs close it out with precisely that score, an absolutely fantastic, complete 60-minute game from the Montreal Canadiens. I'm impressed. Now, again, if, if anyone from Team Tank made it this far through my entire enthusiastic recap of a 6-2 win in a season where you don't really want to be seeing the team winning games, um, I'll speak to you one more time here. They held Connor McDavid to zero points. That's only the sixth time this season that anybody's held him to zero points in a game. I think he was on a 17-game point streak coming into this one. And they held him to zero. Fucking zip. You have to take that as an absolute win for the Montreal Canadiens. They're doing this on the second half of a back-to-back with a spare parts lineup. Tons of injuries. They lost the defenseman during the second period of this game, so they had a short bench on top of being on the second half of a back-to-back and having all the injuries that they have in the first place. You got to look at this and say, all right, this team is not that far away from actually being a good team. This coaching staff clearly knows how to get the best out of the players that they have. They've... They've proven it. Two games in a row here that we've seen fantastic play from them coming out of the break. Um, I don't think it's going to last. I think they're going to start losing games pretty soon. Um, probably in the next couple of weeks coming up, we're going to have some ugly ones going the other way. Might get beat 6-2 to two a couple of times. Particularly after they start trading uh, some veterans, I think we're going to see some ugly games. And I think the odds are going to get better. I see potentially, I, I definitely think Vancouver is going to finish ahead of the Habs. So they're going to be about one one spot further back than they are right now. Um, so listen, the, the tank can wait a little bit, guys. I, I know I know you don't like me hearing it. I don't like you don't like hearing me say it. Uh, I know you don't like seeing them win. Uh, but again, this was a game they deserved. This was not a game that they stole. We can be mad about the ones they steal. I don't want to see them win any games that they don't deserve to win. But the ones they do deserve to win, yeah, I want to see them win it. Of course. Last thing I want is to watch them go out there and dominate a game like that and end up losing. They deserve to win it. They did win it. We got to move on to the next one. Now, I got to move on to the player of the game. And this time, I know yesterday, I had, uh, I had what, three or four of them. Today, I'm going to give you one, but I'm going to have more players to talk about afterwards. And of course, your player of the game is Jordan Harris, fresh off his new contract signing, making it look like a brilliant piece of business from Kent Hughes. Um, what a game from him. It wasn't just the two goals, man. Like he was extremely effective in moving the puck up ice. Um, when they, I mentioned during the first period after they took the lead, they kind of started slowing things down in their own zone. He was the one guy that seemed like he was very reticent to do that. Like he didn't want to fucking hang out behind his own net and sit there with the puck. He wanted to get moving with it. He wanted to keep his feet going and he really wanted to push the pace up ice, which I think is the best way to play against the Oilers, honestly. They're trying to push the pace constantly, throw it right back in their face. They don't have good defense or good goaltending. I think the smart way to play them is to to try to run and gun with them. I know it's a little bit dangerous because, uh, you know, you got the best player in the world and then probably a top 10, top five player in the world in Dreisaitl as well. It can get a little bit dicey playing around with those guys, but I, I thought... When the Habs were pushing the pace in that game, they were at their best. And when they were really at their best, when they were really pushing the pace in that game, Jordan Harris was on the ice and he was involved. Uh, Super smart. Super smart in terms of the pinches that he was making, in terms of the opportunities that he took advantage of the ability to, to join the rush. He didn't do it at any point that would have made it a risky play for the Montreal Canadiens. Again, when you're running and gunning against a team like the Oilers that has McDavid, that has Dreisaitl, 
that has uh, Zach Hyman, that has Evander Kane. You know, if you still think he's a super, I guess he is a pretty valuable player. He's doing pretty well for them. They have a lot of weapons up front, is what I'm trying to say, and they got the best weapon in the fucking game in Connor McDavid. And Jordan Harris picked the absolute perfect spots. He wasn't overextending himself. He wasn't going for ill-advised skates up the ice. Every time he did it, it was with a purpose, and it worked. That contract extension might be a little short, but I think you know early returns since he signed it, it looks like an absolute brilliant signing by Kent Hughes. Uh, got good value out of it. I think his next contract's probably going to cost more, but he has the opportunity to go out and play for that next contract, and uh, clearly looks like he's on a mission to do exactly that. What a game from him. Um, can't say enough about it, and I got to move on. Right, we got to talk about some other good performances. Raphael Harvey Pinard among those performances yet again. I, I don't feel like there's anything I can say that I haven't already said about him. It's incredible to see how well he actually plays with Nick Suzuki. That tip that he got on the puck, that was nifty, man. That was a cannon of a shot that came from Mike Matheson that he managed to get his stick on. Honestly, I think most players would have struggled waving at that thing just trying to get a piece of it on the way. And it really changed the trajectory of the puck completely. Skinner was back there expecting a shot somewhere around the you know stomach area. And then RVP Nod just gets that little tip on it that elevates it. And all of a sudden, he has no idea where it's going. Uh, another great game from him. And what a story for him. We also got to talk about Kirby Doc. I mean, Kirby Doc, I felt like he had a bit of a rough game yesterday, like early going of the game. Uh, but he got better as the game went on. And then he carried that straight into this game. Like I said, he had a beautiful golden opportunity like 45 seconds into the game. And from that point, he was an absolute force. Just monstrous on the forecheck. This kid's only 21 years old. I think we forget that really often because he was in the NHL pretty quick after getting drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. And then he kind of stagnated a little bit with them. And then the trade happens. He comes to Montreal. And now I think we're seeing, well, we as Habs fans are getting the opportunity to see him grow into the player that he was supposed to be. I think this is part of the problem with NHL in terms of evaluating talent and in terms of drafting and developing is sometimes teams have a tendency to give up on somebody a little bit earlier than they should, right? This guy's not coming along as quickly as we thought he would, and then they move on from him. I think the Habs fell into that trap with Mikhail Sergachev. I think that's exactly why they went after that trade for Dwayne. They were like, we want production now. We don't think this guy can produce now. I think they didn't give him enough of an opportunity to produce because he never really got the chance to play for the Habs very much. But they fell into that trap, I think. And the Blackhawks did virtually the same thing, although they gave a little bit more opportunity to Kirby Doc. But he had shitty line mates the entire time that he was really playing in Chicago. Now, Kirby Doc's getting an opportunity with the Montreal Canadiens, and he looks fantastic. That forecheck while shorthanded, was nuts. Love it. I think they've got a, a very strong case for winning that trade. Now, Frank Nazar is looking pretty damn good in the NCAA for uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, so I don't think they're kicking themselves too much about the trade, but at the end of the day, as a Montreal Canadiens fan, I'm calling this one uh, encouraging, if not a win at this point. you got to talk about Jake Allen in that game too. Uh, I think I mentioned it during the recap. At 5-on-5, he didn't have to be super stellar. But he was super stellar when they needed him to be, particularly when they had that 5-on-3. The Oilers have one of the better power plays in the league, right? When they get opportunities, that's when they usually can run the score up on you. And they got opportunities in this game. 
the refs were calling some real ticky-tack fouls, particularly in that second period, uh, and a couple more in the third period as well. And still, Jake Allen, every time that they needed him to be stellar, he was stellar. I think he got second star of the game in the, in the Bell Center for that one as well. So, I mean, well-deserved. It's, it's not like he was invisible in that game. When I said at the start, you know, he didn't have to steal that one. Yeah, he didn't. He just had to be very good for them, particularly when the Oilers were on the power play. That's when they did the most. That's when they had most of their high-danger scoring chances. They didn't have a lot of high-danger chances at 5-on-5. That was a fantastic game of 5-on-5 for the Habs, but a fantastic game from Jake Allen when they needed him to be fantastic. So he really helped them out in that regard because otherwise, you know, it could have been closer. Could have been a bit of a barn burner. I could go on for probably 40 minutes in this one about the good performances, so I'll just try to keep it a little bit shorter. Um, Jonathan Drouin played really well, uh, liked his game a lot, beautiful pass on that one power play goal. Uh, I felt like Mike Hoffman played a pretty good game as well. David Savard, I enjoyed his game once again. I felt like the only penalty, like the penalty he took against McDavid, some people were saying, yeah, that's a hook. For me, that's a super soft hook. I thought he played that about as good as he could. You know, that's the best player in the world coming at him. And I felt like it was a soft call. Um, Johnny Kovacevic, I felt like he played pretty well as well. Alex Belzil gets his first NHL goal at 31 years old. And the crazy thing isn't even that this guy got his first NHL goal at the age of 31. The crazy thing is this guy was on the fucking Hamilton Bulldogs back in the Sylvain Lefebvre era when he was ruining everybody's development on the Habs farm team. Left the organization. Uh, he's played all over the place. ECHL, AHL, total journeyman. Guy comes back to the organization. He's performing well at the Rocket, gets an opportunity, and now he's got his first NHL goal. Is he going to be part of the organization long term? I don't know. Uh, maybe if he's willing to stay in the AHL and be you know, a leader down there and potentially come up if and when injuries get bad like they have this season. Uh, I, I think there's probably a low chance of him making the Habs as a regular next year. Very low chance, but you got to love the story. How can you not really feel for that guy? Probably had fans... Uh, or family rather in the stands uh, watching that game seeing him score his first NHL goal like you, you got to feel really good about that story there's been a lot of really feel-good stories for the Montreal Canadiens this season and I guess that brings me to Arbor Jacki who is absolutely one of the feel-good stories of this season I said I'd have more on him towards the tail end of the recap and uh, yeah he gets in that fight with Dernay lands an absolute haymaker of a right hand and you can see in his face if you haven't seen it yet, you can go to my Twitter. There's a, a highlight of it on there at DrakeMT. There I go, plugging my Twitter yet again. Uh, he grimaces immediately after landing that punch, right? And my initial thought was, okay, he broke his hand. Maybe he hit the wrong spot of the head and um, might have broken his hand or broken a knuckle, a finger. Who knows, right? But as he was skating to the bench, he was kind of dangling his arm and he pointed at his right shoulder so the concern now is that maybe he had a um, dislocated shoulder, which those are a little bit weird. Uh, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to go into too much detail on this. But basically, there, there was an actual doctor who tweeted about it on Twitter and uh, mentioned what something I've heard before about because I've dislocate, dislocated my own shoulder. And I know that sometimes it could be a week to week thing. Sometimes you could be out for a couple of months if you need surgery. So they're probably going to have to MRI. Uh, they're probably going to have to take a look at it and see how long he's going to be out. I really hope it's a week-to-week thing because, again, he's been one of the better feel-good stories on this team this year. Um, I, I really don't want to see him uh, out for an extended period of time. But, of course, if it is a legitimate injury, the last thing that they need to do is rush him back. So 
they might have to start looking at what they can do to uh, get somebody else in there in his place. And man, would it really suck uh, to see them play for the remainder of this year without him. I think he's established himself at this point. I think he's going to be with the Habs next year no matter what. Um, But it, it would really suck to see him have to miss out on the rest of this year. However, again, Team Tank, if you're still hanging around this deep into the podcast, um, that could be another reason why they start losing some more games. You know, I think Jacki is considerably better than Chris Weidman. If this puts Chris Weidman in the lineup, we might see some more high-scoring games. You know, if Chris Weidman's out there against the Oilers, uh, I think McDavid probably finds himself in the score sheet once or twice if he can find himself out on the ice at the same time as Chris Weidman. Nothing against Chris Weidman. I just don't think he's capable of defending against the McDavid. Um, <laughs> that actually feels a little bit rude to say, but, um, you know, what is it? I don't script these things, right? It's, it's off the dome at the end of the game, so... Um, sometimes you're going to get some things that maybe sound a little bit rude. I don't necessarily intend them to be rude, but uh, it is what it is. That's about all I've got for this game. Um, Really a fantastic effort. Again, I feel like when they win a game that they absolutely deserve to win, we should just be able to enjoy that. You heard the absolute elation in that Bell Center. I think those fans that paid money to go and watch that game, I think they deserved to see what they saw. Um, You know, if, if, if the... Habs went out and absolutely stunk it up on the second half of a back-to-back, but Jake Allen made a million saves and somehow dragged them to victory against the Oilers, we'd have a reason to be upset, but we don't. What we saw there was the team coming together, the coaching staff. The coaching staff should be like a key takeaway here that they are capable now of putting together a game plan to play against some of the best players in the league with spare parts for a roster. If this team doesn't get a top draft pick, a top three in this draft, they're going to be fine. They're going to have a top 10 pick. They might have two top 10 picks. If you don't think that they can get two very impactful players with two top 10 picks with the way that they're already able to put together impressive performances like this with their spare parts roster, just look out. Just wait. Of course, we're still hoping and praying for Connor Bedard. I am too. We'll see. For now, let's just enjoy this one. We'll let it speak for itself, which is dominance by the Montreal Canadiens over the Edmonton Oilers. Keeping in mind, the best fucking player in the world scored zero points for only the sixth time this season, and it was against the Montreal Canadiens. So I'm going to end it on that, because that's a nice positive way to end it. What are we running? We're running over 23 minutes, so since soirée inconnue pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we're on Spotify, Google Play, we're on Apple. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT, drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. I'm also on Substack, mattdrake.substack.com. If you follow me over there, you'll get updates on when the new episodes of the podcast comes out. Unless you've already followed me over on Spotify or Apple, then I appreciate you very much. Keeping in mind, we are the number one hockey podcast in Hong Kong. So one more time, shout out to all my homies in Hong Kong. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine.